0: Welcome to A Better Way Podcast, dedicated to mompreneurs who want to do good and feel good at work, at home, and in life. We're your hosts, Courtney and Danielle, and we get the challenges you're facing because we're living them too. We'll share tangible tips we've learned along the way to help make your life a little easier and we hope a lot more fun. We'll also chat with other moms who are making it happen so we can learn from one another, because together. We can find a better way. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of A Better Way podcast. Today, Danielle and I are joined by Audrey Skelton. Audrey is a badass mompreneur who believes that good words make all the difference. And as a copywriter for female founders, including the likes of Mrs. Jenna Kutcher, And being a new mom to her son, Wally, Audrey is educating and inspiring other mompreneurs every single day through the words she uses and through her wit. Um, I know I've been a big fan for a long time, and I've introduced Danielle to her as well. Um, And so while we've been fangirling for a while, we cannot wait to share her with you, our audience and our community. So welcome, Audrey.
1: Thank you so much. That is the kindest introduction I could possibly ever ask for. So thank you. I'm just so excited to be here.
0: Yeah, we're excited to have you too. Um, So for our listeners who may not be familiar with you, although I think uh, many will be, especially given how I found you on Jenna's podcast about a year ago, Can you just share for our community a little bit about who you are and what you do um, just to kind of set the stage um, of your mompreneur
1: journey? Yeah, so I am a copywriter. I work predominantly with um, female-owned small businesses, um, and I do digital content, so that could be anything from blog posts and newsletters to sales pages to full website copy, Um, And I kind of got into this knowing my whole life. I wanted to be a writer. Um, I went to school for journalism, graduated and worked for a magazine. I worked in marketing for a little bit. And then um, my husband ended up getting into grad school in Nashville. We were living in Texas before that. And when he got into grad school, I was kind of burnt out at my job at the magazine at that point it was a local magazine and i was just ready for something new and um as we were moving i was looking for different journalism opportunities there that's kind of the route that i always thought i was going to go is journalism and nashville was just a lot smaller market and i ended up getting um like a part-time small freelance role doing copy editing for a magazine there but that obviously wasn't going to fill up my entire work day. So I was like, what else am I going to do? And I started leaning on some of my other kind of roles and jobs that I had had previously, which a lot of the, the ways that I would make money in college and before that is babysitting. So I was like, well, maybe I could do something like that while he's in school and kind of grow this freelance side at the same time. So I became a nanny for this amazing family there who I absolutely adored, adore still. And I had that one freelance client, which was the magazine. And I just kind of started growing um, my, my client list from there. I started seeing which friends of mine worked in marketing and if I could partner with them to just write a blog post. It was really small and really random at first. Um, and we were living there for two years and I was kind of just growing this side thing, not really having much direction at all or knowing where it was going to end up. Um, and as I was, as I was naming at the same time, it was kind of this awesome mix of like, okay, I can have this creative side and I can also, you know, have flexibility and get outside with this little boy that I watch every day. And it was. It actually kind of led into being a mompreneur quite nicely now, years down the road. Um, and when my now husband graduated from his business school, um, we ended up moving back to Texas. And at that point, it was kind of a transitionary point where I asked myself, do I want to continue this partway nannying? And I always say, like, nannying. Like basically paid me to be able to do my creative work. It paid me to be able to be a writer and Mm -hmm. um, a copy editor at that time. So it was a pretty big leap to to go from just part-time freelancing kind of here and there with a few clients to, okay, I want to do this full-time and I want to build a full client list and be able to serve even more people and um, have this be my full-time job. And I did that when we moved, and it was, again, kind of random at first. I worked with a lot of different companies, a lot of different people, and that was great because I got a lot of experience, Um, and over time, I kind of niched it down a bit to work with mostly service-based, um, small businesses. So it could be photographers. Um, you mentioned Jenna Kutcher. She's one of my clients. Um, I work with, uh, health and wellness entrepreneurs. So it's kind of a, a a lot of different industries, but my, my focus is working with women who want to help other women. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's right up our alley.
0: So, so much that you just shared right now is I think applicable to the people who are listening and very similar to journeys that we've had other guests and that we ourselves have been on, but something that I think is interesting and unique to your journey is it's been a, I don't want to say a slow evolution, but you made this transition over the course of a number of different years. And I think so often when we're speaking with people in our community, it's one of those, they want to do it and there's urgency behind it. You want to do it right now. And especially when you're a mom making that transition, it's really hard to burn that like midnight oil, like for years and years and years. And so you were able to take a little bit slower. And my question about that is, I think what prevents a lot of people from making the leap is they don't feel secure. And that urgency is creating some type of foundation that they feel secure in. And what I heard you saying is you were kind of like dabbling in it and it was like tippy-toeing into this as a full-time. And so I wonder... Is there a point in your business where you finally felt secure and like you could take a deep breath and that allowed you to kind of start, um, family planning or beginning your family? Or is it one of those things that some entrepreneurs say where it's like, you're kind of always straddling that line of what's next and thinking ahead. I'd love to just know your perspective, given your, you know, experience the last few years.
1: Yeah, it's, it's so interesting because it did take some time and I did always have this end goal of yes I want to be a writer I want to be able to be creative every day but I didn't have a journey mapped out other than that and that did make it feel very um there was a there was a lack of security in my path because of that and especially with working with multiple clients on a freelance basis You know, many of my clients now are ongoing. I work with them month after month, but in the beginning, sometimes it would just be a random project here and there. um, And it wasn't, it wasn't steady. Um, I think though, I'm obsessed with Glennon Doyle. And one of the things that she always says is to choose the next right thing. And like looking back at my path, I honestly think that that has been how I've um, kind of worked through and grown my business is, is following definitely a lot of intuition. Like I've worked with people who treated contractors like they were employees and didn't honor boundaries. And I had to part ways with those people because it wasn't my next right thing. And that's how I've kind of, I've kind of come to work with so many, um, powerful, but also service oriented women is by, by choosing what my gut told me to do. And so it was another thing when I moved from, you know, Nashville back to Texas, that wasn't a natural transition time for me. And so it was a big decision. It was a really scary decision. Like, can I actually sustain this and, you know, grow a, a big enough client base where I'm making a living? <laughs> um, and And I just had to kind of trust that I've done this, I have some experience, that experience can lend itself to even more experience and just um, growing as I go. And there's a lot of faith that's put into it. Um, It's a lot of unknown. And there are still days where I'm like, what am I doing? (laughs) Like, Do I know what I'm doing? Um, Especially in in a creative, uh, my own business is creative and service-based and I'm, currently a solopreneur and, um, you know, I, I've had to kind of make my own way of figuring out how to do my rates. I've changed my, my pricing structure multiple times and, um, figuring out things like maternity leave as a solopreneur, like that was uncharted territory for me. And I sort of just made it up as I went. So, I think that mantra of like choosing the next right thing and knowing like a lot of people really don't know what the end goal is going to look like or the end vision is going to look like as long as you kind of have an idea of where you want to be. I wanted to be a writer. So, okay, I'm going to just try to choose the next right thing and get there.
0: That's great advice. We are both Danielle and I, I don't want to speak for you, Danielle, but I know that you also like Glennon Doyle because we talk about her podcast mm-hmm. and different things on it all the time.
1: Her podcast <laughs> is so good. So good.
0: Yeah. Her and her sister and Abby, like I listen to it and I'm like, you're all really smart and you think really hard and deep and you're saying yes. all the things I'm feeling, but I could never
1: articulate it in the way that they do. It just hits me every time. I was literally Googling her sister, Amanda, the other day because I was like, I love Glennon, but where's Amanda's book? Because she's amazing too. And she's yeah. so smart. I they mean, actually, I did. think it
0: was this week. They just came out on, with an episode and it was like, why do you call sister, sister? And, um, they gave more background on Amanda and like Amanda told her whole story and it was very interesting. So check it out. Yeah.
1: If yeah. I, I caught, I think a part of that one. Yeah. yeah. I love so that. interesting. So you mentioned
0: one of the things that Danielle and I wanted to dive into in today's episode. So when I first discovered you and all of your amazingness, I was actually listening to a podcast episode you appeared on speaking with Jenna Kutcher about prepping for your maternity leave. And it hit me because I was it was last either late summer or fall, and I was actually prepping for maternity leave with my baby number two but I was, I'd have dedicated maternity leave for at least three months from my corporate role, but I had started my consulting business and how do you like start a consulting business and then five months later go on maternity leave? And I wouldn't say it went horribly what I did, but I will tell you that five days after I had my son and I was like readmitted to the hospital for postpartum preeclampsia, I was definitely helping clients with like things that they needed because I like those clients and I wanted to, but in retrospect, I should have created boundaries a lot better. And I think like listening back on your episode, it was really enlightening. And so because it's such an unknown for so many women, and I think it's such uncharted territory, I just want to know, like, how did you even go about planning for that? And in retrospect, is there anything you would have done differently?
1: Yeah. Um- that yes, there's, that's a very good question. And it's so funny when I took my pregnancy test before I even told my husband, cause I, of course it's our first kid. I like made it this big thing and like a surprise. I made him cinnamon rolls and said, there's a bun in the oven. Like I did the whole nine yards. And, <laughs> um, before I even told him, I started thinking about my maternity leave because I was like, this is a one person show. Like, Are my clients going to leave me? And I'm very much the same. Like I love the people that I work with and I do consider them dear friends. But at the same time, like I work with them on a week by week basis and create content and copy for them. And so stepping away for what I wanted to be, which was three months, um, sounded sort of crazy, to be honest. Um, So immediately I started planning it out, like, how can I actually make this work so that I can be present with my baby, but also continue serving these women and not feel like they just are left high and dry. Um, So, you know, I, I decided then that I probably couldn't do it alone. And I ended up at that time bringing on a really good friend of mine, who's also a copywriter. And she had just transitioned out of teaching full-time to starting to grow her copywriting business. So she was still growing her business and didn't have a full client load yet. And so I reached out to her and I was like, would you like to help me basically prep as much as we possibly can for my clients ahead of time? And in hindsight, we ended up getting probably... I'd say 60% of the client work done ahead of my maternity leave. And it was like a, it was a, not a mad rush, but it was a very busy few months before my maternity leave. And it felt good though, to have quite a bit of the work prepared for them. Um, And then for the rest of it, that friend of mine who is also a copywriter, she kind of stepped in. I would say like a temp basically where she if my clients did need something urgently while I was out or if they had ongoing, you know, content needs that we didn't get to in our prep work, she kind of would handle those day-to-day things. Um, and I did make myself somewhat available you're saying like you had to head back to work probably much sooner than you wanted to or had imagined and I I was kind of the same in that I wanted to give myself those three months or 12 weeks of time off, but if I did have the urge to come back, like work has been my life before becoming a mom. So, um, so I didn't know what it would be like if I just wanted to soak up all of the newbornness or if my baby would even be sleeping at all. I wanted to have that flexibility, but I would say about when he was six to eight weeks old, I did have an urge to just kind of do something else with my time. Like I loved, I loved the transition of becoming a mom. It was extremely hard, but also extremely rewarding. I mean, I'm sure you guys understand. Um, but at the same time, I think I needed just something else too to keep my mind occupied. So I started coming back just a little bit working with one or two clients on like some small projects, probably at that six to eight week mark too. Um, but I would say that prepping a lot of the work ahead of time really saved me. And if I could change anything, I, I think that the way that my business was modeled then was um, worked for when I wasn't a mom, but now that I am a mom, it's it. I've had to change a few things. Um, my pricing model before was just, I, I charged an hourly rate and that was it. So if I worked, you know, 40 hours a month for one client, one month, and then 20 hours the next month, that's it reflected in what I was paid. Right. So going from working a lot leading up to my maternity leave so that we could get all of that prep work done, um, I was charging a lot more, which was great because we could kind of, kind of pad our savings and kind of prepare for me to pretty much stop working for three months. Um, but I don't know if I would do that again. I think, I think now, well, now I have changed my pricing model where it's more of a package structure that my clients can choose based on their needs. Um, and that was probably, not the hardest thing but a challenging part of it was pretty much just pausing my income as as much as we did save and and plan for it it does like it, it is pretty jarring to go from you know making a pretty decent mm-hmm. income to practically pausing it and my friend who I was paying to you know be my temp that was kind of just being cut even, mm-hmm. I would say, um, based on what I was paying her and then what I was charging my clients at the time. So it's definitely interesting. And I think that I think that it was a learning experience and I'm so glad that we did work ahead to get that time off. Um, but there are a couple of things I would change going forward. So
0: just unpack one thing, the friend that you hired, I'm a control freak and a perfectionist. So I'm an Enneagram three. I'm trying to think what other profile assessments I should share, but our listeners probably know by now. And Danielle calls me out all the time on all of these things because we're she's the yin to my yang. Um but like I I have actually and I've got some great team members that I've started partnering with on projects and letting them run with certain things in a zone of genius because it's just too much to do by yourself. But I think the thought of pulling a new team member on or a partner, even if it's temporary, especially when you, in something like copywriting, you get to know your client's style and their brand and what's going to find what's not so well. And it's really hard to, there's no standard operating procedure to pass that on to someone. It's a lot of like intuitiveness. So how do you go about sharing your clients with um, in this case, a temp, or I think I noticed you're hiring a junior copywriter as of this week. So congratulations on that. But like, Thank how you. do you go about doing that without losing what you feel like is the magic or the service of your business? Because I think that can be really scary, whether you're a mompreneur or not, like giving up that control and yeah. splitting the income can be daunting.
1: Yeah. Um, it It is hard for me. I'm also a control freak. And I think with copywriting, as much as I'm taking on my clients' voices, we also have a relationship and an understanding. They know how I um, create content that reflects their voice. And even though I try to do it with their voice in mind, I still have my own brand of doing it for them, if that makes sense. So it is hard to kind of hand that off to someone else. Luckily, um, my friend who I hired to work with, she has a very, it's like freaky, weird, how similar our writing styles are. So that made me feel a lot better immediately. Like when I got pregnant, I was like, I'm going to ask Susanna, that's my friend, um, to help me with this. If she has the capacity, because I know she would do an awesome job. So I trusted her from the start, which completely, completely helps, um, but I still did. I mean, I think she would tell you the same. I still did want to make sure I was almost over communicating at the beginning exactly how I deliver my projects to clients and what the different formatting styles are. Because everyone has a different way that they have blog posts or their newsletters written. So I did record training videos on Loom for her um, to make sure that she had more probably more information than she needed great, yeah. um yeah just to show like this client does it this way this client does it this way um and i created a kind of a master google doc with uh almost like summaries of each client and you know some people use a serial comma and others don't and that's the tiniest tiniest thing ever but they might notice it if it's starting, if it's done a different way by someone else. So I just wanted to make sure all those, even the smallest, nitpickiest things are all down in one place. So if she did have any questions, she could just go there, either watch a video or read the summary about the client and get the information she needed. Um, and of course, because we're friends that she know, she knew that I was available to her as well. But especially when I was out, I I just wasn't sure what it was going to be like in those postpartum days. So I wanted to have kind of a master space for her to have any questions answered that she might possibly have. Um, but now, yes, I am hiring a junior copywriter. And this is kind of a whole new ball game to me because it's not just a friend I'm hiring, who I feel like I can be completely honest with. And of course I'm going to be honest with whoever I do end up hiring, um, but it's it's just different. It feels like a bigger, a bigger step in being a business owner. It's not a temporary thing. This is someone I hope will grow with me. Um, I hope that eventually maybe they could become a full-time employee and it's gonna allow me and us to be able to serve even more women And I think in the trust factor, as much as I hold close my clients, um, I also realize I'm not the only person who can do what I do. As as much as I have my own brand of doing things and style of doing things, I know that other people have similar goals as I do. And that is the most important thing in working with clients is to, to serve them well and to create content and copy that serves their clients and their readers well. So if I can find someone with a similar style to me who has that shared goal, I think that it will work out and um, I think the trust will just be kind of natural. Mm-hmm. That's great.
2: I, I want to go back to something you said before you said you trusted your gut and when you were thinking about like whether or not to go back to this full time and I think, Uh, I always like to dig into those like more qualitative um, statements just because I feel like there are some people who are probably listening and are like, that's great, but like I am a single mom and I need to like make sure that my bills are paid and like how do I really like take this leap? And so I wonder like if you can share anything tactical that you did to get the client's that got you to a place where you were earning enough and in like a much secure, more secure place and felt like, okay, this is what I'm doing full time. And, and this is working out. Right. Um, Because I think that like, oftentimes as entrepreneurs, we gloss over that because a, it's like a tough time, (laughs) you know, it's like something we don't potentially don't want to remember like that, like, crawl to getting to a full time you know a, a, what we felt like was like a good full time earnings um and i think the other piece is like it's just we just don't think to talk about it because when we look back we're like yeah we were just following our gut which is true yeah. but like what did we really do to get there
1: right you're so right you know i've been thinking a lot lately about the difference between intuition and imposter syndrome because they're both, they're both thoughts that come to us. It's like, okay, I think my gut is telling me not to do this because I suck. Okay. Well, is that actually my gut and my intuition, or is that imposter syndrome? And I think both of us or both of those, um, ideas can kind of overwhelm a lot of us to stay stuck. Um, and I, I think it's true that you can't, you can't listen to every thought that you have. Like I follow this um therapy account. It's called Therapy for Women on Instagram. And one of the things that she always says is it right you can't believe. <laughs> it's it's amazing. She has great, just great resources and information. Um, but one of the things she says, you can't believe every thought that you have. And I remember like when I decided to go full-time in copywriting and making this my business, making it my full-time income. I didn't believe in myself most days. I just was trying to get clients like I was trying to do anything I could. I was working with truly whoever trusted me enough and trying to perform as good as i as good as I possibly could so that I can continue growing and getting more um more experience. But there were times where I would just sit at my computer like, why am I writing about? cheese right now. (laughs) Like what is even going on? Like there is a ton of doubt in those early days. And I, I think it is often glamorized, like, yep, you just grow and you keep going. But I think that it's almost like a thing you have to accept that doubt is just a part of the journey. I was trying to get more clients and grow my business at the same time as I was like looking at full-time jobs that I could possibly be applying to because I wasn't sure that I could actually get more clients and grow my business. I was also because I had been a babysitter and a nanny for so many years, I was like, maybe I should just scratch this whole copywriting thing and start a uh, babysitting service that serves local moms. Like I was kind of doing the work, but also, um, also kind of, you know, I was scared and I wasn't sure I could do the work. So I think for, um, for tactical advice around that, it's just to know, like, if you have a goal like starting your own business you have to know like it's it's going to come with a lot of doubt and fear and that is completely normal um and it's okay to to feel those feelings and um i think that for imposter syndrome the best way to push past it or to know that that's what it is is to ask yourself like is this truly what I want to be doing? And is this, am I going to be making a difference? Am I going to be fulfilling the vision for my life that I want to have in five years? Um, If so, then that's probably your intuition that's speaking. And if it's doubt that's coming in, then that's probably the imposter syndrome. Um, And just to keep going, like keep trying to do whatever you can to put one foot in front of the other. And it's just messy in the beginning. I mean, there's no other way around it. And it does take time. When well, I think something
0: you said, like, and I found the same, even though I had a general vision of what I wanted to do, I took on any project that came my way. And I learned it's like, you either succeeded or you failed really fast. And even the failures I don't call failures. It's more, I figured out, okay, I did it and maybe I did it well, but maybe I don't want to do that. Or in terms of marketing myself and getting myself in front of more people, I realized that if I did a really good job for the clients, I had a lot of my business ended up coming from, from referrals. So as opposed to being in that scarcity mindset of looking at the client at getting more clients, I focused on the ones I had, and they ended up being really good referral sources, but I love like digging into Danielle's question, looking back on your journey, did you find that there were like one or two. Activities or focal points that led to more clients, like you know, referrals and working your network, or you know, did you find success in social media? Did you find success in things like I mean like Upwork, um, which is a big freelancing platform? Is there anything that you feel like really helped you um scale? Um, or was it kind of a culmination of everything?
1: Yeah, there's a few things. I did start on upwork. Um I actually don't fully recommend that now, now looking back because they take so much of your income, even if you, even if you pad your rates, it's still, I think it's 10 to 20% of your income that gets taken through their fees. Um, And I did find some good clients there. I had a couple that um, I stayed with for a couple of years actually, but The majority of the clients I found on there wanted to pay just not um, as competitive of rates as ones that I found elsewhere, like LinkedIn. I actually found Jenna through LinkedIn. Um, She had posted that she needed a copywriter and I simply just applied as soon as I possibly could. And she happened to reach out to me. And I think because I had uh, worked with a few other female-owned um, businesses at that point that were service based and sort of similar to hers, um, in that aspect that that kind of stood out to her, and just the voice and style that I have happened to be similar to hers. Um, but I would say um, I think that there is a place for social media, but my main method of growth has been through referrals, and I think too. This is the hard thing. the most The most powerful thing I've found doing in my business, and this is going to sound maybe crazy or counterintuitive to people just starting, but any time that I have stopped working with a client who wasn't a fit, or even recently, I've had to stop working with a couple of clients who I loved, but I just no longer have the capacity for. Um, when I do that, or have done that it has allowed so much more space for either a new client who's even more aligned to come in um and that could be from a referral or just me seeing an opportunity on something like linkedin or social media and then having actually the time to feel like i can apply um and take that on or recently when i've parted ways with a couple of clients you know i've kind of this year being a new mom i've um almost decided that maybe my calling right now isn't to scale up. Like you see so many entrepreneurs on social media talking about like, get those 10 K months or, you know, six and seven figure years. Um, and I think those are great, great milestones to hit if that's your goal. But I'm like, how about maybe for me, it just, you know, getting a good income for my family and feeling fulfilled in the work that I do and also being able to be there for my child and not having to reach those shiny milestones. That was my, that was kind of my realization. So I was like, okay, how many clients do I need to work with to, um, make the income that I want to make and feel fulfilled in my work while also not feeling like I'm just being, um, you know, just spread so thin that I'm going nuts in either of my roles as a mom or a business owner. And when I decided to scale back a little bit, that's when it came to me like, okay, actually you're still getting a lot of inquiries. You are still having this demand. And instead of turning people away who do genuinely want to work with you and sending them to someone else, you can still serve them. And it doesn't have to be you serving them. Like it doesn't have to be me being the only one to do it. So by allowing the space, stepping away from a few of my clients who I did love, but I just, I needed more time and like mental bandwidth, having that space has allowed me now to have the capacity to even consider hiring. Before, if I would have thought about hiring, which I have thought about hiring in the past, I'm like, I don't have the time to manage anyone. How I can hardly even keep track of my own clients. How am I going to manage someone else and manage whatever they're working on, there's just absolutely no way. So I think that being, um, being really intentional about who you work with. Yes. In the beginning, you're probably going to work with a lot of people who, you know, are all over the board and that's fine. That's great. But knowing kind of like when it stops serving you or when it's just more stressful to do the work and, um, challenging for your time or your resources or your mental capacity, then maybe it's time to step away. And I promise you every time that I've done that, it has opened a different door that has allowed me to um, perform better, feel better, scale my business in a way that actually makes sense for me and just do a better job in all of my roles.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I second all that.
2: And court needs to hear that. Courtney, I hope you were taking notes. You're taking <laughs> well, notes.
1: I mean, I
0: agree with like, I've had to step away from some things <laughs> and say no to some opportunities. And it's so funny because when I've made that decision, literally the same day or some the next day, like I'll get an inquiry about something else that fits better, but it's interesting. I had a discovery call with a client, a prospective client who was a referral. Um, and, he, it was a, he, and it was this past Monday and he actually leverages like systems and processes to help businesses. Typically it's a physical like product or like distribution or manufacturing or wholesaler type of thing where you're leveraging systems and processes and data to make smarter business decisions, which leads to better business performance. And his whole thing, we were talking about like the pain points of his audience. And one of them is like lacks time. And I think that's something that's really interesting that you were kind of forced into Audrey is like, you lacked the time to even think through how hiring someone could help you because it seems like such a pain point earlier on, but then maternity leave forced you. And so you had gone through the experience, you've put some systems in place, and now it makes sense for you because you've seen that, that short-term overwhelm of having to put like processes in place and figure out how do I want to manage and inspire this person allows you to take that person on, which in the long-term is actually going to be gains, not only for you personally, but for you professionally. And the other thing that I think is really interesting is Separate from overcoming that mindset of, I don't have time to hire someone. You're actually delivering on your mission by hiring someone because you're actually able, assuming you hire a female, given you support female founders. And um, I don't want to make that assumption, but just thinking like voice and tone and relation, probably you're Mm -hmm. fulfilling your mission by helping and giving someone an income and a job and getting them started in that industry. So I think it's really just, Amazing how it comes full circle and how the journey you've been on the last year has kind of pushed you in that direction without you even knowing it, but you being able to give your space, yourself the space to
1: lean into it and let what feels good navigate that. So,
0: um,
1: Thank you yeah, yeah, it is funny because it, a lot of these big changes where, um, I almost have like a turning point in my business or my life. It, it starts with that pain point, And then it leads to something that like feels like an exhale because for this whole year after my maternity leave, trying to figure out the balance of working from home, having a baby, my husband, thank goodness is also working from home right now. And his job is a little bit more, you know, structured nine to five, but he does have some flexibility with it but just trying to figure it out. It feels like every day is kind of a guessing game. Like what am I going to get done this week? And I follow a lot of like parent accounts and a lot of Actually, like food and nutrition accounts too. Um, and one of the things that I see them say is like, look at your kids' nutrition intake by the week and not by the day. Mm-hmm. And I've like adapted that, adopted that mindset for my work. Like, look at your work and your your like mom performance by the week and not by the day. And if it was a good week, then that's all you need to concentrate on. So that's kind of been my focus well, too. Like, such a don't think it by the day. Just think it is. Yeah, like a you
2: you know what? I just had a light bulb moment. I wonder if that's what, <clears throat> so there's been a lot of talk about how <clears throat> people don't want to go back to work, right? People in corporate don't want to go back to work physically, right? Mm-hmm. And I wonder if the, the gain that they've gotten, that they do not want to give up, is the fact that they're now able to do that. They're able to say, okay, this is what I need to get done for the week. This is where I'm at in my projects. And because no one's watching me, like I can sort of do that whenever I want. I can take my kid to the playground at three o'clock and get it done after they go to bed at 8 p.m., right? And like, Mm -hmm. as long as I reflect back on the week and got everything done and got it done well, because companies are saying like, there hasn't been a dip in quality of work or or anything like that right they're not they're not seeing that I wonder if that's like what we've all gained through this pandemic is the the ability to look at our work in a week versus ha- every day sitting at your computer because this there right. was a lot of studies <clears throat> about productivity previous like pre-covid and how pe- and people were basically like I do two hours of work a day like about Mm I'm at my desk. Like I sit at my desk for eight hours, but I only do really like two or three hours of work. And that's such an interesting point. I don't know. I haven't thought about that, but you just made up like this light bulb of like I. I think
0: you are onto something because Josh, so my husband Audrey works from home full time now too, and it started with the pandemic, and then he recently switched jobs a month and a half, almost two months ago, and is now in a fully remote position because his consulting firm is in another part of the country. And I can see he's made that shift, like you're saying, Danielle, mentally. And then I've also made it, but made it from being an employee to a business owner I don't want to say there's less urgency, but to your point, you feel like you have more time. It's more expansive. And I think not having to get up and get in a car, like there was that finite pressure of, I need to leave the house by this time. Mm-hmm, I yes. need to get the kids out. I need to have every, like if I forget anything, I'm screwed because I have a meeting at 8 30 and I need to be in that conference room. And here it's a little bit more flexible and there's a little bit more forgiveness, both by yourself
1: and by the rest of the world throughout that. So I definitely think you're onto something. Well, it's you're not being micromanaged, even if your job is the most like cool environment, flexible environment, like still just sitting in that space, Mm -hmm. even if the micromanaging is like a perceived micromanagement that you just feel like you need to be at your computer eight hours a day doing something ish like that looks productive. Um, Yeah. Having that freedom, which that is also transition from working in kind of a typical job and then going into an entrepreneur or solopreneur or mompreneur type role. I remember like those early days, even going, I kind of like eased in going from full-time corporate job to nannying and freelancing part-time to then full-time freelancing and copywriting. So that was like more of a gradual transition, but still in those early days of being a copywriter, full-time business owner, I was like, I need to be at my desk in my office for eight hours a day. If I went to the grocery store at 10 AM, I had like a mental implosion. Like, what is this life? Like, I thought it would feel like such freedom. And I think now it does, but at the beginning, it's like you're we're not conditioned to think that way or to think that that's okay. You felt like you were skipping class or something and someone. Yeah. 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 So I think that we can kind of almost, Make ourselves feel micromanaged in that way, but if you're getting what you need to get done, done, then that's good, that's that's great in my book. Now, now, kind of my expectations have gone down quite a bit in a good <laughs> Same. way, <I> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Same. So, actually, so one question before because
0: I know we're almost at time, but I want to um fit in our last question is the whole concept of our um, podcast, A Better Way, was you know Danielle and I spent many years doing all the right things. We went to college, we got our MBAs, we had agency jobs and corporate jobs, and we were doing all the right things, but we were miserable. And we figured that there had to be a better way. And then when we became moms and we decided to become entrepreneurs, we realized that one of the better ways is by sharing with others. Because a lot of us are going through the same things, but if we don't talk about it, nobody knows that other people can either commiserate with you or help and support you. And so we like to ask our guests if there's now as a mompreneur, if there was a better way you wish you could share with other
1: moms, what would that be? And why? Yes. Well, even kind of touching on what we were just talking about, I think that my hardest days or the days where I'm hardest on myself are the days where, um, I'm comparing myself, but not to other people. It's like to my own expectations of what I should should in heavy air quotes be doing. Um, and on those days it's like, okay, if I didn't get X, Y, and Z done, then I, I feel like I'm failing. And I think that again, looking at it from a broader perspective, like, are you making progress? Are you, um, doing work that's fulfilling? Are you, serving your clients in the way that they deserve to be served. Um, and if I can answer yes to all those questions, then, um, then I think that that is so much more important. And, um, yeah, I think just letting go of the comparison to our own expectations that can be so heavy and so, um, just so harsh sometimes. And I think those expectations do come from outside sources. A lot of times, whether it's society or a past job or, you know, parents and family, whatever it might be. Um, I think that those are very real things that are, that can be difficult to work with and work through, but um, kind of stepping away. And when you're, when I'm feeling really hard on myself, just remember, like, I, I am doing a good job and I'm doing the best that I can. I think every mom and every woman needs to hear that like a million times a day. Like we are doing a good job. We're doing the best that we can and that is a really damn good job. So yeah. I love that.
0: I can definitely relate and that's a good reminder. That and then your nugget about the like viewing things in a week frame instead of a day frame like I'm going to implement that step. Yeah, that's that's a good one.
1: Yeah. Good. Yeah. you like your kids' food. That's 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 my new approach as my child yeah, is now to incorporate like that into shaping food. and taste buds yeah. somehow. I talk about, yeah, yeah. talk about that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um so Audrey if people want to find you, where can they go to connect with you? I know you have some courses. I know you're on social.
1: Yeah, so you can follow me on Instagram. I'm one of those people who sometimes is very active and other times it's like crickets over there, but my Instagram account is at oddskelton. Um, Or my website is AudreyJoanne.com. And there you can find my mini course, which is all about how to write your own sales page. So a lot of online entrepreneurs who launch um, digital courses or memberships or uh, digital offers like that need a really great sales page that converts and that tells a story and that takes your audience um, and potential customers through the journey of Um, you know, their pain points to the solution, which is your offer. And to hire a copywriter to do that can be extremely expensive um, and time consuming. It can often take months to get it turned around. So I just wanted to make it accessible for anyone. Um, And it's um, under $100. You can get your sales page done in less than a week. And it's there for anyone who needs that support. So Yep, that's all my stuff. And this has just been so fun. I've had such a great time um, being here today. Audrey, I will
2: definitely be taking a look at that course because I'm about to write a sales page for myself and I am the worst copywriter ever. Um, I'm so bad at it. Thankfully, my husband is in marketing. So he like looks over all of my stuff and revises it. But uh, I just, am; it's not my wheelhouse. So I will be looking at that.
1: Yeah. And sales pages become like one of the most overwhelming things I've learned because it's like, this is the thing that makes sales for our offers. So it's easy to get just overwhelmed by it, but I've, I've broken it down into hopefully a very helpful way. So you can just take it piece by piece. So yeah, that's awesome. We'll link that in the show notes
0: so that anyone who's interested, you can find it directly. Um, But thank you so much, Audrey.
1: We had a blast. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode. For more information from today's chat, including how to reach us, head on over to the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the exciting episodes to come. And please, if you liked what you heard, be sure to leave a rating and review. It's how we can help other busy moms find their better way. Until next time, mom friends.